It's that time of the week again. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop! It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris as they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. As well as the music of today. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Digital Kill the Radio Star starts right now. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year, and welcome back to the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. This is David. I'm here with my buddy Chris, as always. We hope that all of you had a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. Um, The holiday season is wrapping up, Chris, and I think um, everybody's kind of ready to get back to some sense of normalcy. Yeah, I suppose. I've uh, I've actually enjoyed having a couple of days off, though, I've got to be honest. It's been a while. Oh, yeah, that part's fun, but the the traveling around, and we've, we've had Christmas in three different places, and we're having a New Year's Eve party. Um, so, um, I'm kind of ready, honestly, to get back to some sense of, of normalcy. Did you have a good Christmas? I did. How about yourself? I can't complain. Um, Santa Claus brought me a, uh, you're going to love this, a, uh, new stand for my turntable and vinyl storage. So hashtag vinyl annoys Chris, if anybody's out there. Um, Vinyl so stupid. Yeah, you're just a negative Nancy, man. You're just a negative Nancy. No, it's just stupid. But, but anyway, <laughs> Debbie Downer. Uh, well, um, Chris, we're gonna try something a little new this week. Um, I, Are we gonna turn butter? <laughs> hey, I'm gonna. Hey, I'm gonna hang up, and we're gonna do this thing over a telegraph. How's that sound? That'll work, man. I've been I've been checking out uh, horses and horsing care, horsing care just because, man. They just the ride is so much better. You know, to being in a car, you know, it just rides so much better. Well, you can enjoy the scenery better that way. Absolutely. Get the fresh <laughs> air. All right. So we're going to try something a little bit different uh, this week. Uh, I put uh, a couple of tweets and Facebook messages out and just kind of maybe every once a month or whatever, do that and have people ask us questions and um, uh, kind of get our opinion on some things. Not that our opinion is any more valuable than anybody else, but probably spark some um some good uh, conversation. So, Chris, I'm going to read this to you. Get your thoughts first, and then I will. Uh, I'll, I'll add mine. So, uh, two-time pod digital kill the radio star guest host Sonny Pooney asked us, "Do you think these ticket resellers, i.e., Sticket, StubHub, etc., are okay? What would happen to overall ticket sales if these types of resellers were deemed illegal?" Yeah, I'm good with it. I uh, I like it just because. I mean, look, I'm like, there there's a downside. There's there's no doubt. The downside being that, you know, you you have no shot to get a ticket for some shows, 
And, I mean, you take you take Gaslight. We were lucky enough to get tickets. Of course, uh, David just buys tickets to shows. He doesn't go to them. He just buys <laughs> tickets. So he bought a ticket to that one. But, um, but we were lucky enough to get those tickets, but most people didn't. But yet their tickets already immediately, as soon as it went on sale, their tickets on StubHub. So I don't know. I mean, if there's some kind of crazy stuff happening, um, you know, strange things afoot at the Circle K, um, I don't know. I, what I do like about it is the fact that it gives you a shot to actually see a show, you know, where 20 years ago, if it sold out, you might be able to scalp it going, you know, walking on the streets. But here, if you're willing to pay, you can go to anything. And that was, that is what I like. You know, if anything show you want to, if you've got the money, you can go. But like I said, I feel like there may be some shadiness behind it because the way that things sell out so quickly and they're immediately all over StubHub. Well, I've heard Eddie Trunk say that one of the dirty secrets of the music business is for a lot of these shows, the band is actually buying the tickets and then turning around and selling them either on StubHub or selling them to StubHub and let's StubHub, uh, you know, reap the extra money from it, which, uh, I mean, we live in a capitalist society. I mean, it, it's do what you want to on that. Um, I, I personally like sites like StubHub uh, for the same for the exact re- reason that you said. You can you can get tickets to pretty much anything, and if it's something that you don't have to travel to and make you know arrangements way in advance, you know you can wait. Like if it's a show here, three or four hours before the show people start panicking and lowering the price and you know, your, your tickets are, most of them are, you just print them out, print them off on your printer or have them on your phone. So it's no, it's not the whole thing of, well, you have to get the person's address and mail them to them for the most part. So I like that. And I, I like the fact that, you know, you can get tickets to these hard to come, uh, concerts. It's like, um, you and I went to see Tom Petty. That was a very, very hot ticket that, you know, sold out pretty quick. Now we were lucky enough to get them, but, Let's say we, you know, it's two weeks out, and we wanted to go for it uh, and get those get those seats. We'd still have a lot of say so in, you know, what um, uh, if we got them or not. And I like the fact that you can go on there and choose by section, and you know, you're always going to have some moron on there that's going to have, you know, where everybody else is priced at a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars, some moron posting it like, like two thousand dollars. But I don't, I don't mind it at all. Well, I think the good outweighs the bad. And I'll give you another good part of it, too, is, um, well, we we talked a lot about here, on here, about Social Distortion, a band that I love dearly. They uh, they play in legendary Ryman Theater in Nashville, Tennessee, and there were tickets available, but I didn't like where they were. And so I just went to StubHub, and I think I got fifth row dead center. Um, I like that. That's another part that I really like is the fact that even after they're sold, you can pretty much find the section that you, if there's a section you have in mind, you probably can get in it. Um, that's another thing. I just, the only real, real negative to me, I'm going to go back to it, is how does a show, when it sells out in seconds, there's already hundreds of tickets available on StubHub. How does that happen? I mean, there's some kind of shadiness there. I don't like that part. I don't know that that part will ever get fixed, but... You know, it's, uh, again, gives me a chance to get into shows that otherwise I wouldn't, you know, gives me a chance to get lo- you know, located or otherwise wouldn't be able to. 
the only thing I really don't like as far as the concert ticket buying experience now is all the pre-sale, the pre-sales. And I, I've learned not to get too excited about those because like I did uh, my morning jacket pre-sale for the Fox in Atlanta and my tickets were the next to the last row on the floor. Yeah, everybody else has the pre-sale too. I mean, you can get the you in most cases you can get the pre-sale. It used to not it used to not be that way. It used to be you know you had to have I'm going to let's just say for American Express card holders. I'm going to say something like that. There were certain things like that, and if you were lucky enough, you might find somebody that can get you the password. But now, yeah, you're right. Just about everybody can get in in a pre-sale. And then what happens is people go in a panic because they only put a certain number up for pre-sale. And so then those people get the pre-sale tickets, turn around and sell them on StubHub before the regular tickets go on sale. And I mean, that's your own fault if you, you know, if, if you fall for that and, and, and pay all that money when you can get them, you know, a couple of days later. But Sonny, we appreciate the question. The other question that he had for us is, who do you want to see live in 2019, Chris? Well, I'm hoping I'm going to finally, and I don't know yet, but I'm hoping to go to um, either Dallas or Austin to see Death Heaven. Um, you know, anybody that's list- that listens to us knows it's a band that I've become a huge, huge fan of. And um, I just think it'd be really cool to see them. And so that's not a certainty that I'm going. I'm going to try to make that happen. I think it's in March, but uh, February. I think it'd be pretty cool to see Kiss, even though I'm not a Kiss fan. Just a, a that's a bucket list one. Um, those are, I mean, those are only two that I can think of right now. Um, yeah, that's all I got right now. I'm going to see Metallica for the second time uh, in January, and then uh, Kiss in February for the third time. But um, other than that, I I want to try to maybe make a Fleetwood Mac show, especially. Now that they have Mike Campbell in the band, that really piques my interest, uh, especially everything that I've seen online. And um, other than that, um, um, I don't really have anything else necessarily that I know of that's coming up. But, you know, that always changes, especially in the summertime when all these shows. you and I have talked about, too, possibly going to see um, in March, maybe to go to that that, uh, Rocklanta festival oh yeah yeah uh just just to see the saturday part of it um because our our memphis bands tour tour at rocky blue are going to be on it and several other bands it's actually a pretty good lineup but i was i did see tour tour last night and um and so i hung out with todd for a bit you know todd's the singer of, Ro- of rocky blue and um yeah he's super excited about the new record coming out and um he said there's going to be a record release that they're going to try to plan something in Memphis, but it won't be, it'll come after that, that show in, um, that show in Atlanta. So he's super excited about that. And I, you know, like I told him, I want to try to be there. I want to try to support him. And I think it'd just be kind of fun, all the bands and go probably go, go hang, get our buddy lives in Atlanta to go with us and see what things interesting he can get into. Yeah. And barring something crazy, we'll definitely be at whatever record release party, Todd and them have. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, other than that, Chris, I just finished literally like 30 minutes ago Jeff Tweedy's book. Um, and I really liked it. I thought it was a good read. I think if you read it and you're looking for a bunch of dirt, you're not going to get it. Um, you're not going to get a ton of detail 
on kind of the inner workings of things, but it was a very well-written book, and it actually, it, it, it makes me really respect Jeff Tweedy a lot more as a person uh, when you realize what all he has struggled with. And it, it kind of, a, I know you've got the books, and you're going to read it at some point, so I'm not going to give anything away, but it really kind of explains his songwriting methodology, and uh, which I thought was interesting, and I always kind of thought he took himself a little too serious at times with the songwriting and after you read this you realize he doesn't so um i think it's called uh hurry up let's go so we can get back which is a saying his father had and chris you're gonna like this there's a really cool story in there about johnny cash opening for wilco um it's really uh it's really interesting how that came to play and uh jeff is just a very uh you can tell like he really looks up to his you know musical idols and he talks a little bit about some of the interaction and all of that and i i've been told by somebody that kind of halfway knows a few people that he and jay have patched things up as as well as they can patch things up like i don't think they're ever going to be exchanging christmas cards every year but i think they they you know get along now and you would think after all these years and after everything they've you know jeff tweedy's been through with his wife having like cancer three times and his drug addiction and everything that that would be something that hopefully they wouldn't hold on to and get past them. And at some point, I think, I think we, you know, I've talked about this. If uncle Tupelo got back together, they could for sure do a theater run. Yeah. I mean, it'd be certain, certain cities, you know, um, I, I, nobody wants it to happen more than I do, but you know, like for example, if they, they wouldn't come to Memphis because if they did, if they played at the Orpheum, it wouldn't sell well. And the only reason I say that is because the vast majority of people have no clue who Uncle Tupelo is. You know, um, Wilco, they'll go and don't even know Wilco music, but they know the name. So I, yeah, it'd have to be, I mean, I do think they could sell very well in certain markets, but they're still, they're still a band that a lot of people don't listen to and uh, don't know of. A lot of, I guarantee you, if probably most Sunvolt fans, I feel like, listen, I feel like they may probably more of them listen to Uncle Tupelo. I feel like a lot of Wilco fans, because it's like listening to Radiohead. They think it's cool to do it. They don't even know anything about Uncle Tupelo. It's just an opinion. Yeah. I may be wrong. No, that's I, I, I don't completely disagree with you on that. Especially, they don't know those first two Wilco albums. Yeah. Hey, did he, and, and don't you know, get into because I like to you said I will read it, but does he try to explain what happened behind the breakup? Yeah. Because they, they make it all very, in the... Um, uh, geez, I can't remember the name. The the um the book that the Wilco book that came out several years right. ago. Yeah, they they make him out to be just a, such a harmless victim and was done so wrong by Jay. And you know, that, and you've heard different things. You know, I've heard the story that he came on to Jay's wife. He goes into and, very very specific detail about that incident. Uh. Okay, well, there you pretty much said that it something did go on, though. And, you know, and that's kind of what we've talked about before. We said, you know, I, I think I talked to you about this before. I know I've talked to, to uh, Kate and a buddy of ours about it. You know, talking about Rachel Bowen, how bad he hates Sebastian Bach and Skid Row. It's like the only thing we can think of to make him hate him that much where it's not forgivable is something with his wife. You know, but... I don't. I don't think Jeff remotely did anything to warrant. If 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 eighty five percent 
of what Jeff said is how it happened. He did nothing to warrant Jay disliking him that much and breaking the band up. It's not what you think. Yeah, well, what I mean, you think? So, like, like, we, like, like they always say, three sides to every story. Right. All right, Chris. 2018 has come and gone. Um, we had a it's our second year. We had a great year download wise. We had a great year of guests. We had a great year of making contacts. Uh, we had bigger guests on. We had more. I just, I just got and I might have got us one last night too. Yeah, sorry, I sent you that text in the middle of the night. I woke up in the middle of the night and saw it, and then realized like, oh, I shouldn't have texted you. But luckily, it didn't wake me up. Yeah, that. Um, yeah, so if we get that guy, that that'll be great. And you know, we just—I just want to thank everybody that's come on here as a guest, as a guest host. Um, you know, Sonny Pooney, Kyle Null, the Potter Than Hell guys, Casey Elward. Caleb Crosby, Troy Laquetta, Ricky Dover Jr. Oh gosh, I know I'm leaving people out. Um, Michael Graves. Michael Graves. Casey Elwer. Yeah, I did Casey. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's a lot of people, and I, I really appreciate Cody Dickinson, the North Mississippi All Stars. Um, just really appreciate everybody taking their time to uh, listen to us and share us on Facebook and Twitter and everything. And, we're going to get, I've got some new ideas for next year as far as our social media engagement, and I'll, I'll implement those as we go forward. But uh, like I said, I just really want to thank everybody for listening. We've got people listening to us from all over the world. Uh, Chris, our second most popular city this year was Dublin, Ireland. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is. So if you're listening to us in Ireland, we greatly appreciate it. So shoot us a message on Twitter. Tag us at Twitter at Digital Kill and let us know you're listening from Ireland. I, I just I find that interesting. Uh, but anyway, seventy something countries are represented that uh, listen to us, and uh, we really appreciate that. Well, Chris, you and I have had ongoing discussions for the last couple of weeks. You think the uh, albums released this year, the quantity of of good albums was down. Um, I I thought just the opposite. So that's kind of how our relationship works. Um, we're going to do our top 10 albums of the year, each of us. Before we get into the specifics, why did you think that, Chris? Was there was there some albums that came out that let you down or just not enough quantity? It's not enough stuff out there that really just, I guess, that I took a strong interest in. And, you know, I felt like 2017 was just great album after album, and it was easy. I mean, it was difficult. It was very difficult to put together a top 10 because there were so many to choose from. This year, it was hard for me to... It would have been... I don't think I even had a top 10 going into... I don't think I could have even done a, a, a top 10 going into like September, October. I, I, didn't, even, I didn't, have, didn't even have 10 albums. So, um, some things have been released since then, some things I've gotten into. But um, I feel like it picked up in the last half uh, there was there were more releases, and I think that 19 is looking to be a lot more like 17 for me. And we'll get into that in a minute. Well, I think if you were a hard rock or metal fan, I think this year was kind of a down year for you. I don't have a single hard rock or metal album in my top 10 this year. I have one in my honorable mention, but other than that, I, I, I had a hard time getting my top 10 because I had a lot of stuff to choose from. Um, I thought it was a really good year. I think next year is shaping up to be a good year, especially if you're into the you know the harder stuff. So, 
Chris, we'll just use the same format that we did last year, and I will let you go first, and you'll just list your 10 from 10 to 1, and we'll discuss where appropriate. All right. Number 10, The Struts, Young and Dangerous. Um, just a good good rocking album. Um, like it better than the first one. And uh, like I said, there are a couple of weak tracks. Uh, the one that's very disco-y or dance-like, uh, I don't like that at all. But um, I feel like they kind of expanded on their sound. They have that, that last song, Ashes. It just sounds so much like a Queen song. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was a good record. So, The Struts. Last year, according to Spotify, my most listened-to song of the year was the song Merry-Go-Round by The Struts. That's a great ballad. It's catchy. I loved it. I was really excited about this album, and I've listened to it three or four times through, and honestly, I've just been extremely disappointed in it. I don't know if it was all the hype that went into it, or you know, they're kind of being billed as the saviors of rock and roll, and I don't know. It just didn't do anything with me, and I seem to be in the minority. I have people that I work with that are just casual music fans, and they know the struts, and, and they love it. So obviously, I'm the odd man here. Yeah, like I said, I thought it was better in the, in the debut. So, uh, number nine, Culture Abuse. The album's called Bay Dream. And this one is one that you're probably going to find on a lot of top tens. You know, it was, that's an album that a lot of people just loved. And I, the way I even heard first heard of it was uh, Dan Andriano of Alkaline Trio. He tweeted about just how insanely good it was and then several other musicians were tweeting about it so, so like okay i gotta check it out and it, and it was a really good album um number eight american aquarium things change you know uh i, I like the album i feel like it, it starts out just the first two songs are so good first song is and amazing the, yeah and then the, the last couple of songs are really good in the middle is what made it number eight and not higher uh, I felt it got was a little bit weaker. You know, a friend thinks it's he said it may be his favorite one. It, it thinks it's his favorite album. For me, it it's probably number three of theirs. Um, but it still it's it still makes a top ten, so I still like it. Number seven, Brian Fallon, Sleepwalkers, um, definitely has more of a gaslight sound, and you know I. I like that, but I do still like. But I like the debut album better, his solo album. And I think that um, I don't know. Something just tells me that there will be a new Gaslight record before there's a new Ron Fallon. I, I think that I agree. I, I think that honestly, I think they're working on something. I really do. I don't think they're recording, but I think they're writing. Um, just because I, I think I said this before, I saw the bassist when we went to go see him in Chicago, and um, talked to him briefly asked him about uh, Gaslight, and he basically just, I, I can't remember exactly how he said it, but he just kind of grinned and said, uh, said something about their, I don't remember how he even said it. But I he, thought you he, told he, me he, he said, remember, we never broke up. He did say that. So you, I wasn't even, you weren't even there, and you remember what he said. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's what he said. He, he, he just kind of grinned, and he said, he wouldn't answer the question. He just grinned and said, just remember, we never broke up. And then he, and he said that as he was walking away. So, to me, I think they're probably working on a new record. Um, number six. This was a late release that uh, I just fell in love with. But uh, 
Gregory Allen Isakoff album is called Evening Machines. Um, this this album is so so good. I it you know it, it it's so I'd say my uh, probably my third through six picks. My, I mean my picks yeah probably three through six could be flipped any which way. So this probably could on a different day go as high as number three. So and that's that's going to be for the next few albums. They could be like I said they're all so close. So number five, Alkaline Trio, is this thing cursed? About as the best record they had, you know. It was it was better than the past couple of records they put out. Probably, um, it was more of. Uh, well, no, I say that, but I, I really loved the last one too. I, I just I liked the record. I um, it was it was good to have a new one. I didn't know for sure when we'd get one since skiba has been so busy with you know his his own solo work, Link-182. And uh, luckily they put one out and I got to see him this year, so that was cool. Number four, uh, Hometown Boys, Lucero, Among the Ghost. Now this definitely was my favorite Lucero album in many albums. Um, definitely better than, let's say, the prior three. It was kind of more of a return to form for me, more stripped down. They lost the horns. Uh, a lot of people love the horns. I don't. This album was great. Number three, the latest to come into my list, which is from, as we mentioned last week, from one of our listeners' recommendations, Holy Fawn, Death Spells. This is, uh, talked about it briefly last week. It's just a, you know, it, it's shoegaze, dark, gloomy. Um, I don't know. It, it's one, man, crank it up, turn out all the lights, and get a, get a bottle of wine. And it's it's a... It's just a killer, killer record. Number two, Jeremy and the Harlequins. Remember this. I've gotten really into this band now. This is their third album. This first time I heard them, I heard of them was uh, I heard them on a Little Stevens Underground Garage, which I mentioned a lot on here at that station on Sirius XM. And they're still a newer. They put out it's their third album, but I think the first one was in 2015. So they've been releasing records frequently, and this is by far their best one. They're all good, but remember this, Jeremy and the Harlequins, uh, I've mentioned before, but it's kind of um, early. It's kind of got a rockabilly sound, um, kind of 50s, 60s rock and roll. You know, kind of, I mean, almost almost like Buddy Holly type stuff. Uh, really cool, though. And then number one, probably no, no surprise to anybody that listens, Death Heaven, Ordinary, Corrupt, Human Love. I think that may be their best record that they put out. I loved it, and I listened to it. I still listen to it very frequently. Yeah, you're sp- you're spreading that poison through the podcast world. Uh, Dylan uh, Wright had that, and then uh, Steve and BC had listened to it, and Steve said something like, "Some of the some of the stuff you're like, this is awesome," and then you're like, "I don't really know what this is," but. Um, like I said, if the vocals were a little bit better, I, I think I could get behind them. The music, well, the instrument tra- instrumentation sounds great. Yeah, the way I always describe it is, you know, I don't, I listen to it, and you, I, I don't know whether to punch someone or curl up in a ball and cry. And <laughs> and really, those kind of emotions go back and forth in a song. Well, um, I, I thought one of the funny comments they made on their podcast was Dylan, like, Dylan goes, I listened to the first song, and I found myself getting emotional for some reason. It does it to everybody. Charlie Benante of Anthrax. You know, when it, he, he 
tweeted about it before it was actually <coughs> released. He heard the album, and he was talking about how how it was a very emotional record, emotional but angry at the same time. And um, it's just what they do. I mean, if if music hits you in the gut like it does me, you know, it yeah, it just it has that impact. It's a very very emotional record, especially that first track. And and I get what you're saying about the vocals, but I've said this before. I think it's just to me, it's it's almost it's it's background, you know, because it it does, it never really seems to be in the forefront anyway. It's not the vocals are probably not as loud as they are in most music, and it's almost like I mean I know the voice is like people say that's that's an instrument. Well, in this, it's truly more of an instrument because you, first of all, you don't know what he's saying, so it's basically just sounds. And it just, it works with the music for me. Yeah, I think what they're doing is totally unique. I've, yeah, I've seen, I've looked up other bands that are supposedly similar to Death Heaven, and I don't think anybody's quite as unique as they are. Um, I, they, they, this is my favorite record of the year, and they've become one of my favorite bands. Do you have any honorable mentions? Well, yeah, I, I guess I would, so I don't know if um, I don't know if you would call. I, I I was considering putting Dave Hawes on there, and the only reason why that didn't make it is because it's um, because it's just an EP. But as far as the quality, man, it's there. It's awesome. But that's one that I thought about. Um, Lindy Ortega's newest one, Liberty. Uh, the Summer Kills which was just, you know, that's, that's uh, Matthew Ryan. That's a fantastic album. That's it. I would say those, those, those four. So three, three other albums in an EP. You're perfectly good talking about an EP because I have one that's my honorable mention, so not a problem. All right, folks, here is my top ten. Number ten, Amanda Shires, To the Sunset. Amanda Shires, also known as Mrs. Jason Isbell, um, is a violin player and country music star um this album is not it's a complete departure it's more electronic more pop it's more fun i really like it her voice sounds great on it uh, i was really impressed with that number nine bishop gun the album is called natchez bishop gun is a band that i had never heard of and they opened up for um mark the marcus king band here and it was sold out packed in august hot as could be and Bishop Gunn played, and I liked them uh, enough to go buy the CD when they got done. It was so hot in there, though, that it, it made enjoying anything hard. Fast what kind of music is it? I would call it, I would call it the first Brother Kane record with some soul and R&B. They recorded it in um, Muscle Shoals, and. Uh, it, it's it's some of the songs are have a blues or blues bass. Some are just kind of rockers and then uh you have some that are kind of a mixture between but i saw them a couple of months later for government mule and it was air conditioned uh and they blew me away and one of the people that was with me had never heard of them and i looked up and he had bought the album um like i said there i've said this i think when i talked about them for they're going on tour opening for slash in uh europe and uh they're a band that uh Kid Rock has really pushed them. Um, obviously, they're opening for Slash. Uh, and if you like that first Brother Kane album, but 
make it 20% kind of soul and R&B with a little bit of blues, uh, I think you'll really like them. They have a very, very bright future ahead of them. Number eight, The Smashing Pumpkin, Shiny and Oh So Bright, Volume 1. I am not a huge Smashing Pumpkins fan. I'm one of the few children of the 90s that can say that. They have some songs, obviously, that I like, but Billy Corgan's voice and his cadence and the way he sings has kind of just rubbed me the wrong way at at times. On this album, his voice is a lot cleaner sounding, uh, has a lot more melody to it, and uh, at first when it came out, I listened to it once, didn't listen to it anymore, and then one of our listeners, uh, Jim, in New York, had had posted about it a couple of times, and I said, I'm going to go back and give another listen, because he and I have basically, he's, he's kind of like Rune is with you. He and I have the same taste and everything. Oasis, The Stones, Black Crows, stuff like that. And so I went back and listened to it and found myself listening to it a lot. It's only eight songs on it, uh, but I really enjoyed it. Number seven. Maybe I should try it again because I, I what I listened to, I didn't like. I, I was you know, just. And I, and I do like, and I do like some of the Smashing Pumpkins. I was just like, I, I, I was a fan. I was just like you. Um, uh, the second or third time I went through, I, I really started to like it. Um, number seven, if I'm going to catch any flack on one, this is going to be it. Uh, the A Star is Born soundtrack. Went to see this movie with my wife. Knew it was a remake of a movie in my head. I kind of thought it was like a Broadway musical or something. And she wanted to go see it. And I had been watching interviews with people about it all week. And I'm like, that looks like it may be pretty good. Go see it. Blown away. My movie of the year. Hands down. There's not even a close second. Bradley Cooper sings so well in this movie. Some of the music was written by Lucas Nelson, some of it by Jason Isbell, and then obviously Lady Gaga wrote stuff. She just blows you away with her voice in this. He blew me away with his ability to sing. Uh, he followed Eddie Vedder around for a while, and he said if they had had an, a year longer to make it, his um, his character would have been, I think, pretty much Eddie Vedder. But he was kind of a mixture between the kind of country that like maybe Shooter Jennings would sing and then a, a rock star. So some of the music had kind of a more country feel and then some of it honestly had had a kind of a hard rock feel, especially I think this song's called Black Eyes, the opening track, and it's the opening track in the movie. Um, I like it. Lady Gaga was just amazing in it. Number- I'm, laughing in the, I'm laughing in the inside. I don't know outside, though. Yeah. Uh, you listen, I mean, anyway, never mind. Okay, I'm, I'm okay. All right, number six, Adam's House Cat. This was Patterson Hood and uh, Mike Cooley's pre-Drive-By Truckers band. They released this album. From what I understand, the instrumentation is from the early to mid-90s. The vocals Patterson did recently, and uh, if you're a Drive-By Truckers fan, a couple of the songs on there they have, have played at different times throughout the years. This record really took me by surprise. If you listen to it, it's getting a lot of comparisons. It sounds like early Soul Asylum, The Replacements, and Document Era R.E.M. Uh, the drums and the, and, the, and, and the guitar playing sound like that. The, the music is really good. It's some of Patterson Hood's best vocals. Um, I would recommend the song Runaway Train, Six O'Clock Train, and uh, Lookout Mountain and Town Burned Down. All of those songs are really good. Blew me away. Really blew me away. Number five, a band I had never heard of until I did a Black Crows episode and one of the guests recommended them to me called The Record Company. The album is called All of This Life. If you were to ask me 
what the record company is, I would say they sound like a better version of the Black Keys. <clears throat> and Chris, you know, you always talk about social distortion always picks great openers. They have opened for social distortion. Um, they were on Kimmel this year, a couple other TV shows. Uh, they're developing a really loyal fan base. Uh, the song uh, Life to Fix and the movie song are the two I would recommend the most off of it. The record company, All of This Life. Number four, Blackberry Smoke, Find a Light. For whatever reason, the last 10 or so years, I just never have really gotten into Blackberry Smoke, which is kind of odd because Chris Robinson gave them their name. Rich Robinson has, has done shows with them. Uh, they toured with uh, Government Mule a couple years ago as a co-headliner. And I kind of always just thought they were more of a, I don't know, like a poor man's Leonard Skinner. But th- I was wrong. I went to see them this year because I was interviewing Caleb uh, Caleb from Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. They were opening. Blackberry Smoke blew me away. Um, just amazing musicianship. Uh, these guys are friends with everybody. Uh, they... They're some of the few people who can get along with both the Robinson brothers. Um, and now I have found myself going back and uh, just really embracing their catalog. Um, they opened for, um, they're opening this summer for the Tedeschi Trucks Band on the Wheel of Soul Tour, which is a kind of a, uh, it's a traveling tour. And they're, they always get two really good opening bands for that. This past year, they had Marcus King and Drive-By Truckers. So anyway, Blackberry Smoke, Find a Light. They do a song with uh, Amanda Shires on it. Uh, there's a song called Run Away From It All that's really good. They also released a live acoustic EP, and they do uh, Tom Petty's You Got Lucky, and I think Amanda Shires is on that tune. From what I've read, they did that in one take. Number three, The Magpie Salute, High Water One, my most anticipated album of the last 10 years, uh, and I think that hurt, hurt it in my opinion. It was the first new recorded material with Rich Robinson and Mark Ford since 1997. I, along with a lot of other people, said, oh, this is going to be the next Exile. It's going to be the next Dark Side of the Moon. I built it up way too much. Nonetheless, it's still a really good album. It Half of the songs on there are growers. The, there's like five that immediately I listen to. Oh, those are great. <clears throat> the other five, I've, I've really had to grow on me. Um, but I love the album. It's the first part of a two-part album series. The second part is coming out this summer. Uh, Chris may be interested in this. They're going to have an Echo and the Bunnymen cover on there, a song called Killing Moon. That's um, a great song. Yeah, so that they're doing that. Number two, Brian Fallon's Sleepwalkers. All right, so his I, this is my opinion on this album. I think the debut album, top to bottom, was stronger. Like I don't think there was a weak song on it. This the album has two or three weak songs, um, the first four or five are really good, and the last three are really good. Uh, saw him in New Orleans uh, with my wife. Had a blast. She's a Gaslight, Brian Fallon fan through and through now uh, because of that. The song, Etta James, Come Wonder With Me, uh, If Your Prayers Don't Get to Heaven, Watson, Neptune, and See You on the Other Side. Amazing songs. Uh, really hope the Gaslight does something else, but if Fallon keeps releasing solo material that is consistently as good as the last two, we're in for um, a real treat. And then finally, my album of the year, Carolina Confessions by the Marcus King Band. Of any new band that I've heard (coughs) in the last 10 years, if I were going to buy stock, it's the Marcus King Band. 
Guy's 22 years old. It's his third album. He's been performing, gigging since he was 15 years old. Snuck into a concert to meet Warren Haynes when he was 15. Gave him a tape. Warren Haynes took him under his wing and has mentored him. This guy sounds like, has a voice that's a million dollar voice. His playing and his singing far exceed his 22 years of life. He is set up to be a huge, huge hit for this reason. You can listen to him and he has great straight ahead rock songs. He has great soul and R&B songs. And then he has great blues songs. One of the best guitar players I've ever seen live. Blows, just blew me away. And it was 120 degrees in there when I saw him. Uh, And I still uh, enjoyed it. He was on Conan O'Brien this year. Conan was just gushing over him there at the end. And his appeal is so wide that somebody like my wife, who likes kind of the soul and R&B stuff a little more than me, she's going to want to go to it. People that like, you know, some of the jam band stuff like me are going to enjoy it. Um, the Marcus King Band, Marcus King Band, Carolina Confessions. It's a song called Goodbye Carolina. Makes the hair stand up on my arms every time I hear it. That's my song of the year. Um, so those are my top 10. My honorable mention, I'm going to mention an EP, Matt Nathanson, Def Leppard, it covers EP. It's Def Leppard songs, reworked, rearranged, acoustically. Highlight of it is Coming Under Fire. He is a huge rock and metal fan, and he released this. And Joe Elliott took the time to get to Twitter, thanking him for it, how impressed he was with it. You'll hear Def Leppard songs in a whole new way. I listen to that a a lot and would actually love to have him on this podcast, if, if at all possible. My second honorable mention is Black Label Society's Grimmest Hits. I'm not a huge Zach Wilde vocal fan at all, but this album came out in February and I really liked it. Um, his singing, I think it's the best that he's done. It's a lot of mid-tempo and ballads on there that are, I think are really good. Uh, nonetheless, Grimmest Hits by Black Label Society. Uh, another album, and I got to pull it up right here real quick to make sure I get the name right, that has come out recently that I completely... <coughs> forgot about because there was so much stuff going out is by Kurt Vile and this the album is called Bottle It In. The first song on their loading zones is probably my second favorite song of the year. Just a really, really good album. And uh so that's my honorable mention and that is my uh my top ten of the year, Chris. I, I for me it was a it was a good year listening wise. I hate that yours wasn't equally as impressive. Well, you know, I've said before, I'll say it again. If anything, let's do in this podcast has made me realize where I thought, but I mean, we like, we have, I say this a lot now. There are crossover that we both like, but we're pretty different, you know, and I didn't really know that until this podcast. I thought we were closer because you definitely, yours, from what I do know of your list, yours definitely steered more into the, um, I mean, if not quite jam band, getting close to that world. Yeah. And, you know, and I stay clear of jam bands. Right. Um, just not my thing. Yeah. And I guess I can't really explain my list other than it's just odd. Um, <laughs> Singer, songwriter, indie type stuff, rock, punk, 
uh, rockabilly and whatever Def Heaven is. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, there's yeah, there's a lot of difference because I think about, I mean, uh, yeah, we we agree on Brian Fallon, and I think based on the type of stuff that you listen to, the only ones that might would kind of fit into yours your list because your your list was kind of consistent, like with a theme, yeah, like same all kind of genre. The only ones in mind that might would have fit if you were into them would be American Aquarium and Lucero. Yeah, they could almost kind of fit into that world in a bit, a bit. But um, I listened to that American Aquarium album a decent amount. Um, I, I might could have, I might could have worked it into an honorable mention. Yeah. So you, you would, I think you would really like that Adam's House Cat. Uh, I, I'll try. I'll try that one out. I mean, with the things that you're saying about it, that, that it does, that does interest me. The stuff you were saying about, you know, you he, know they, um, they are they are huge replacements fans. And it, 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 yeah, I think you, the first six songs for sure, I think you would listen to, and I think you would, I think you would really enjoy. I'm going to, I'm going to try that one out, you know, because, uh, last year we did this and you named, uh, Noel Gallagher as your favorite Mm -hmm. album of the year. So I thought, all right, I'm going to try it. And I loved it. Um, you know, this is one based on what you said, I will try and think I may like. You know, there's certain ones, like I said, that you when you kind of describe what they are, I, I, I can kind of picture what kind of music that is and what that sound is. And like that, I'm not knocking it, it's just not really for me in the same way that Death Heaven isn't for you. Right. You know, so I, I it's like, <laughs> to quote the Gallagher's, you know, paraphrasing, I don't have to listen to it to know I don't like it. <laughs> and to quote Noel Gallagher, just because you sell a lot of records doesn't mean you are any good. Look at Phil Collins. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, oh man. All right. Well, Chris, one of our, our to, to close things out. Steve Wright on Facebook asked us. By the way, Steve, we love you. Um, what albums are you most looking forward to next year? I'll take this one first, and then give it over to you. Um, the new Megadeth album. I thought the last album, Dystopia, was probably their best one since the classic lineup uh, disbanded. The new guitar player, Kiko, I think fits in great with Megadeth. And the tone that he uses in his playing, I think, really complements Dave Mustaine's vocals. Uh, The second one is Roxy Blue. You talked to Todd last night about it. Uh, He gave you the name. I'm not going to release the name yet because they haven't done that. But really looking forward to this album um that want some album you and i've talked about many times was was a real important fun fun and favorite album of ours we've gotten to know todd over the last couple of years <clears throat> and realize he can write a song i think in just in any genre uh, and it's going to be catchy and it's going to sound good we're going to have them on when that album comes out uh new album from tora tora the new um single was released a couple of weeks ago and was really really good I think this is going to be a, a, a good album. Um, like I said, Magpie Salute is going to release the second part of um, their uh, High Water um, album series. Uh, I've been told by people that have talked to people in the band, they think the second album is the be- is the better one. I think the first one, they put some songs on there to kind of throw a curve ball at people, uh, and it worked. And... Lastly, My Morning Jacket has been rumored to release an album in the last couple of years. Supposedly, it's going to come out. Um, their last album, I thought, was more of a return to the My Morning Jacket that I like. The two previous from the, of that 
had their moments, but for the most part, kind of fizzled. So those are the those are the albums I'm really looking forward to. Chris, what are you looking forward to? Well, I was hoping I was going to be able to say um, Social Distortion because you know they that album's been coming any time now for about the past two or three years. And last word, I think it's 2020 now. All right, let me ask you so, this, man. It's not. I mean, I like Social Distortion, love them, but it's not like they're putting together a Dream Theater album. No, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, look, here, let's maybe part of it, and I don't know, but maybe part of it is Mike Ness, as great as his songs are, and I love them, but as great as they are, maybe he's not just a prolific songwriter like Springsteen or Ryan Adams. You know, so maybe it just takes more time. I, I don't know. Or maybe it's just he's doing so many other things. I, I don't know what the reason is, it, or is it, it just he's such a perfectionist? Uh, who knows? But yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it used to not take this long for albums, but now, I mean, this is this is the thing. I mean, the last one was 2013, I think, and before that, it was I want to say like around 2005, maybe. Some, so they they take forever. And that last album um, was so good. It was, and and I. I guess that's the one thing is I feel like it's going to be worth the wait, whatever he puts out, because I know it's going to be good. But, you know, maybe he'll finish it up someday. But so anyway, um, I do have a lot of albums that I've uh, that I've heard are supposed to be coming out that uh, I'm looking forward to. I think now I'm not sure on this one. I think Butch Walker may be having a new one. I'm not sure about that. And if, if he is, of course, for sure, I'll be looking forward to that. Um I'm also looking forward, like you said, I'd like to hear the new Megadeth. Um, both the uh, the Memphis bands, Roxy Blue, Tour Tour. I heard the Tour Tour album was playing last night after they got done playing. They had it playing through the PA and they played the whole album. But, you know, and I was there for the whole time because my buddy, you know, knows uh, his childhood friends with the singer Anthony from Tour Tour. So while they were talking, I was just kind of standing around talking to a couple of people and that album was playing. It sounds pretty good. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that, and and then sticking with the, you know, the, those L.A. Uh, glam bands or whatever you want to call them, L.A. Guns is going to have a new one, and you know, I, ordinarily I wouldn't have said I was looking forward to an L.A. Guns record, but the last one was so good, how could I not? Um, and then Astronoid has a new one coming out. Um, really looking forward to that. That's a band that uh, if people haven't heard us talk about them. You know, if you've never heard us talk about it, it's been a while since we mentioned them. They put out an album, uh, I think it was in 2016, called Air. It's phenomenal. It's um, They call themselves Dream Thrash. It's basically kind of a thrashy-type sound with super, super soft, melodic vocals. Um, so it's kind of a weird combination, but it works very well. Amon Marth has a new one coming out. And, you know, I love my Viking metal. Um, and here's one that I think is very interesting that I, I just read about. You know, a lot of um, Phil Anselmo's projects, if, it, if, if it's not down, you know, I'm usually not going to listen to it because it's going to be so brutally heavy and just just too much for me. But he's working on an album, and it's a band, it's a, I think, and it's called In Minor, E-N Minor. And um, I, I, did this, I did a screenshot of this so I could describe it, and you'll... David, you'll understand why I'm into it once I describe this. It says, while talk of Phil Anselmo's goth project, or as he described it, 
My Hello Great Dark 80s project has visions dancing in her head of the erstwhile Pantera frontman rocking Guy Liner in a Robert Smith fro. What we're really looking forward to is the music. According to the singer, in minor draws influence from Sisters of Mercy, early The Cure, and U2, as well as Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, all of which sound mighty fine to us. So that just has me very intrigued. Um, Bob Mould has a new one coming out. Uh, Brian Bingham is, uh, I don't know if you've ever, if you ever really listened to him, David, but he's, he's outstanding. Oh, um, well, you know, Mark Ford did a couple of his albums, produced them. Yeah. Uh, uh yeah, I, I, I'll, I like him at times. It, he's kind of like sometimes with Jay Farrar and Sunvolt, sometimes I got to have a break from that voice. I, I love it. I love, love his voice. I love this guy's music. And speaking of Sunvolt, I found out it's supposed to have a new one coming out. Really? That's what I that's that's what I hear. We'll, we'll see. And then I know the Cure has a new one. And then Springsteen is putting out just kind of more like he does every now and then, more of a solo record, a singer songwriter type album. So, oh, and one other one too. Um, go back to the metal for a minute. Body Count is putting out a new one. And kind of like what I was saying before, I never thought I'd be about LA Guns. I'll say about Body Count. I never said thought I'd be looking forward to another Body Count record, but. That last record they put out, Bloodline, was just, uh, I've said it before, Ice-T's better at metal. He's just it's a, It was a great hardcore record. So, yeah, I listed a lot of stuff. And I bet you I could make it, my album's top ten just off of those that I've named. I could probably make my t- top ten albums for 2019. Just, I probably got enough just off of that. Of everything you listed of stuff that I'm not familiar with, for some reason that Phil and Samuel thing sounds weirdly intriguing. Yeah, it does. You know, uh, well, he, the thing is, Phil is a talented vocalist. You know, not just the screaming that he, he does. He's a, he's a good singer. You know, and if anybody questions that, you know, go go listen to, oh, geez, I'm trying to think of, a, was, it, was it Hollow? Was that the name of it off of um, Vulgar's Way of Power? Um, listen to the vocals in This Love. Listen to the vocals in... Um, Cemetery Gates. He's a great singer, great vocalist, and the Smiths are one of his favorite bands. So I'm just curious what that's going to... I imagine it's probably going to be like a blending of dark... And when he says Sisters of Mercy, our Sisters of Mercy, that kind of... I can hear that, because they're... They they had guitar in it. They they weren't just like synth pop, and I could see Phil kind of taking some of that dark... darkness of like the cure gothiness of the cure and add in a little bit of a crunch to it a little bit of a metal sound to it so i think it's going to be cool well, that sounds uh yeah like i said that sounds weirdly weirdly intriguing and i think i'll probably be uh partaking of that when it comes out at least to sample it yeah uh, so uh yeah well chris uh we had a, a an eclectic mix of 20 albums here and i'm going to put spotify list up uh, we're going to start doing that again. Chris is going to send me 10 songs representing the 10 albums, and I've already picked mine and made my list. I will post that on our social media. Uh, we'll have that up for you uh, shortly, probably within a week of um, posting this. And uh, for this upcoming year uh, on social media, if you're listening to us, uh, tag us on Twitter or send us a message on Facebook and let us know where you're listening from. I, I think it's really interesting. I know we have uh, some people in England that uh, hit us up on social media every now and then, some people from Canada. 
Um, and we're just looking at just kind of be neat at my uh, app that I use tracks where everybody's listening from. Sometimes it'd be nice to um, put a face with, uh, uh, you know, some of these numbers. And we have some people in Afghanistan of all places listening to us. So we really appreciate it. Uh, Chris, we have the next couple of podcasts mapped out. Uh, we, I think the podcast is going to grow more this year. We're kind of getting our kind of figuring out how things work as far as booking guests and getting guests. And I think our uh, guest profile is going to grow this year, but, uh, man, I thank you for, for this year. It was a fun, a fun year of podcast. I think we had some, uh, cool moments. We, uh, met with Michael Graves backstage at, uh, St. Louis and the guy gave us like 90 minutes and we had Troy Laquetta on here. Um, I think those probably the two biggest highlights of the year. Uh, but uh, we had fun. Yeah, yeah, it was a good year. And like I said, I've got something. Well, when we end this, um, you and I will talk for a minute. I'll tell you about my connection last night and how I hope that it'll work out. And I, I think this will be somebody that will be both interesting to listeners and possibly even open doors for us, for other people. Well, folks, that's going to wrap it up for this year. Um, like I said, thank you for listening. Thank you for ha- helping us have such a, such a successful year. Uh, if you disagree with our top 10 and, and have a top 10 of your own, shoot that to us on Twitter or Facebook. We would greatly appreciate it. Follow us on Twitter at Digital Kill. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram at Digital Kill, the radio star. And subscribe to us on whatever uh, podcast platform you so choose. Happy New Year, everybody, and we will see you next week.